for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome in to the Blitz! As always, I'm your host, Kane Schwartz. And I'm joined by Mr. Jaden Kozak. How you doing, my bro? Good. Weather's starting to get colder. It is starting to get colder, indeed. So there's this, like, thing that happens, like, every year when it transitions from summer to fall. And, like, it starts to get a little chillier. So just, like, a heads up, you might want to start wearing, like, a hoodie when you go outside. Mitchell, what are your thoughts on the weather recently? Been chilly, very chilly. It has weather been pod, chilly. Weather pod, weather yeah. pod. Let's do it. <laughs> Get a green screen up in here. But anyway, Mitchell, how are you actually doing, my man? Pretty dismal. Pretty dismal. Nice. I like that shooting that back out at me. I just, I'm the running joke of this podcast, guys. I, I bring up the weather. I bring up. I bring up the weather once or twice or five times, and then I get abused about that or being in a fraternity or once or twice or five times. That's a bit of <laughs> once, yeah, twice, I mean, or 12 times. And you're right. I'll never forget, do they? Hey, man. In those first five episodes, I was doing a podcast in a room where I could just see out the windows. So, like, I would just look outside and be like, oh, there's weather outside. That's what I'll talk about in the intro. <laughs> so don't don't come at me. How about how about There's that? Weather outside. Right now I've got all my windows closed, so I have to come put the intros by myself. But anyway, that was a hell of an intro. <laughs> Good stuff. But let's dive into our week six recap. Another week of fantastic football in the books. And we'll start by recapping the Monday night football game that we just watched. Um, as always. As we were recording this, it is just just preceding the Monday night football game. And what a game that was. The Titans take the dub over the Bills much unexpectedly, 34 to 31. Uh, Bills are sitting at four and two now. And the Titans, after almost calling their season for dead, are now sitting at four and two, the same record as the Bills. Um, Some of the initial takeaways. First of all, what a game. I mean, there were seven lead changes in this game, which is tied for the most in Monday Night Football history. So it's always nice to get a really solid game on Monday Night Football to send the week off in the right way. But let's dive into some of the more specific points from this game. And shout outs to the Tennessee defense, man. I mean, a defense that had gotten a lot of criticism so far this year and had struggled pretty majorly so far. But they saved their season in this game. They held a Bills offense who was arguably the most electric offense in the NFL right now to seven for 13 on third down. And more big moment wise, they hold Josh Allen on a fourth down quarterback sneak right up against the goal line and they hold him. They don't, I mean, Josh Allen, 
there's an argument to be made that he did a little slip there, but very impressive from the Tennessee defense. Prior to that play, they held Josh Allen short on a third down play where Josh Allen went for a Herculean leap in the air, classic Josh Allen, but they held him short on that, forced the fourth, and then held them short at the fourth down. Now, this is a questionable call from Sean McDermott. There's a lot there's a lot going out right now, whether or not this was the right call to make. I mean, you're sitting at the two-yard line. There's like 20 seconds left, and it's fourth down and one and inches, basically. And you've got the best rushing quarterback in the league, um, and he goes for it with Josh Allen, but it fails. Um, Jaden, I'll start with you. What do you think of the call? Yeah, it's really tough because you are in a shootout game like that so when you have a chance to win the game you kind of want to end it especially with Derrick Henry on the other side but personally I probably would have kicked it because I also have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs so if we get the ball I have pretty good I have a lot of faith that we can go down and score but Sean McDermott is from that school of thought of Lane Kiffin and Brandon Staley where he just wants to put his nuts on the table all the time and go for it and it finally comes back to bite him it does. It does. And I, in case it weren't clear to anybody, the situation here is they were down by three, which ended up being the final score, but they were down by three, could have kicked it to tie it, send it OT, but they go for it with Josh Allen. Um, Mitchell, what are your thoughts on the call? I could agree with either way of trying to call this game, trying to do a field goal or the QB sneak. You have a six, five quarterback. You expect him to be able to pick up one yard. Just like Brandon Staley would have done, he would have ran a QB sneak with one yard to go. And Josh Allen just slipped up, and it's going to happen occasionally. So you take what you can get. It's one loss. I don't see it as the end of the season for the Bills here. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I mean, I totally agree with Sean McDermott. I mean, you've got the tallest, most most athletic quarterback in the league. Why not go for it on fourth and seal the deal? But – you know, it's not always going to work out that way, as evident in this game. But let's dive into this, some of the other stuff from this miraculous Monday Night Football matchup. And we got to talk about King Henry. Mr. Derrick Henry is an absolute baller. He had 20 carries in this game, 143 yards, and three touchdowns he is the first player to rush for 10 touchdowns in the first six games of the season since 2005 and in 2005 two pretty big names Sean Alexander and Ladanian Tomlinson both did it that season but I mean he's setting records so far this year he looks fantastic I take back everything I said about Derrick Henry before the season started I mean there's a really solid argument for Derrick Henry, despite his absence in the passing game, to be the number one fantasy running back for the rest of this year. And it might not even be super close, unless Austin Eckler can rebound from a dismal performance against the Ravens, which we'll get into in a little bit. But also in this game, the Bills defense finally comes back down to earth um coming into this game they only allowed 12.8 points per game which was by far the lowest amount of points per game for any defense but they just couldn't stop derrick henry in this game and i mean me and Jaden were talking about a little bit before the pod who is gonna stop derrick henry right now like i don't think there's any cause to panic for the bills defense i mean 
Ryan Tannehill looked absolutely terrible, but I mean, Derrick Henry is running like a man possessed right now. There's no stopping him. Um, but this Bills defense did not have a defensive stop after the first quarter. So they come down to earth, you know, more of what we saw of the Bills defense last year. Also, big name receivers have their breakout games here, sort of. I mean, Stephon Diggs, I guess I say sort of because I wanted, <laughs> Steph- yeah, I wanted Stephon Diggs to go for um, more like 35 points to give me the dub in the Duck League, Still. which I am now at sitting at oh and 6 I'm so done. I'm so done, dude. I would love to get a poll going, though, about this waiver wire thing, man. Seriously. Like, eh, for anybody that doesn't. You're not going to win it. I know. I know. <laughs> you don't I get know. first priority over everybody because you're in last place. That is how every fantasy league has worked ever. Ever. Just sleeper decides to so do something for dumb. a guy like you who's 0-6, who's probably, probably going to finish 0-14 because, duh. Oh, by my luck this year, 100%. Yeah. Um, you should just get the first player every week. You would yes. not, you would not, you would not give a damn if you were even in the middle of the pack. You would not give a shit. So I would see the argument. All right. It is hard to like, I mean, it's hard to you put would be myself very in another person's shoes. If, yeah. If you're in the middle of the league. And you're watching the worst guy get the player that you want every single week. You'd be okay, man. But what am I supposed to look forward to right now? Nothing. Squat. Did your team is good. You just my team doesn't do shit for me for six straight weeks. (laughs) They well, you would have beaten everybody in the league except for Liam and or no, Caden and Sam. I love it this week. Like by like a good margin. You would have beat everybody by like 30-something. I love it. Go fantasy football. Anyway, Stephon Diggs and A.J. Brown, big-name receivers, have their breakout games here. Stephon Diggs, nine catches on 11 targets, 89 yards, and a touchdown. So, by far, Josh Allen's number one target in this game. And it's nice to see that because there wasn't a lot of that going on so far this year. Um, also, A.J. Brown, who – over the weekend, on in the middle of Sunday's 1 o'clock games, was downgraded to questionable after being active and listed as active for Monday night's game. But going into Sunday, he was listed, or through, halfway through the 1 o'clock games, he was listed as questionable with an illness. And it was questionable whether he was going to play or not. But he comes in and he does his job, and it looks like A.J. Brown is back. He had seven catches on nine targets in this game. 91 yards now i'm curious about your guys's opinions because Jaden, especially you're pretty strong on the fact that julio and aj were like one and one like you could replace those two as far as who the number one receiver in tennessee was but how you you, you feeling any different about that now yeah i mean i was like the very beginning of the season i was like you know julio could definitely i could definitely see him taking that one role from aj now i'm like Man, even though Julio hasn't looked bad, just the fact that he's so in and out of the lineup all the time, not that AJ isn't or hasn't been so far, but I just, I don't see any way that Julio takes that one spot from AJ Brown, but uh, AJ Brown isn't exactly a wide receiver one right now at all. Well, after that game, I mean, come on now. 
Come on. I know you've been struggling, but a lot of that was because of the injury. Mitchell, what are your thoughts? I think most of his targets came because Julio left with a hamstring injury. Of course he's going to get targets. He's definitely not a wide receiver one. Like Jaden said, he's not. And I, I just don't see him as that PPR receiver you want. There's plenty of other receivers out there. You have Derrick Henry, who somehow only had 20 carries this game. That was all they needed from him. He's usually going to get like 30 or more. AJ just doesn't have the volume you need from a guy that was drafted potentially as like a lower-end wide receiver one in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, it is good signs to see, though, after this game. I mean, it really looks like that. And let's remember – A.J. Brown was one of the best fantasy wide receivers in the league last year. In the league, hands down, no question. So, like, what – I don't know how the mindset is so much changed with Julio in town. Like, it's – this man was – Julio in town. Julio, who's – this is washed Julio. But – See the catch he made tonight? Yeah. But who else was – Who else was Tana over the hill throwing to? Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. But – you speak of to Ryan Tannehill. This man does not look good right now. Oh my God. He's looking a lot more like Miami Tannehill than he is Tana Thrill in Tennessee. He went 18 for 29 tonight, 216 yards, zero tuds, and an interception. I mean, I'm not sure. Like, if Ryan Tannehill can't keep going, can't get it going, then this team, despite their four and two record, doesn't can't get too far because Derrick Henry is bound to stop at some point but i've been saying that all year and it hasn't happened so maybe i'm wrong um also despite the final play josh allen still balled out in this game 35 for 47 353 yards three touchdowns and an interception and before we move on to the rest of the slate that we had this weekend what does this mean for the bills and the titans moving forward Jaden, i'll start with you Uh, I don't think it means a whole lot for the Bills. I still think they're one of the top three or four, three, four or five teams in the NFL. I still think they're one of the top three teams in the AFC. I do think, though, this is a huge momentum boost for the Titans. This was a team that's had a lot of questions. They've had A.T. Brown out. They lost the Jets. Derrick Henry has been pretty much the only constant for this team so far and a win against Buffalo now propelling you to four and two versus being three and three middle of the pack in a division that is awful, but they haven't been very good either. So, you know, the Colts starting to put things together. I think the Titans have kind of started to separate themselves from the rest of that division and look like the favorite that they were supposed to be coming into the year. Good stuff. Mitchell, what you think? I don't think it takes the Bills out of anything. Honestly, this team, they didn't lose by much. It was a very tight loss. It doesn't really surprise me or anything like that because the Titans are so run heavy. They're either going to get blown out or win the game because they're just going to ground and pound the whole time. But the Bills are probably still one or two in the AFC. And in the end, the Titans-Bills – Chargers, Ravens, they're probably still the top four at this point based on everything we've seen to this point. Not much has changed in season outlooks from this game. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
All right. Well, that does it for that awesome Monday night football matchup. But we had a lot of other great matchups in the week six that happened on Sunday. So let's dive right into it. The first game that we have, it's not exactly a marquee matchup, but there's plenty to talk about about the Chiefs here. And and it's so sad that I'm saying that about my own team. That is terrible. I don't know if you guys saw I went on a Twitter rant earlier about the Washington football team. Yeah, I I had said I'm tired of waking up every Monday morning, realizing this is my team. How are we going to let Jackson fucking Mahomes dance, literally dance on Sean Taylor's little memorial part on the field? Like, what? That, what was, kind the, of that was the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen in my life. That was, He yeah, literally 100%. danced on a dead man's grave. Exactly. That's what I, I said that in my tweet. I was like, you basically danced on Sean Taylor's grave. Like that's absolute. like, what is wrong with you? What? Like, I just, I get, there are no words that don't make me like, I can't, what is wrong? It's with not you? even, Patrick I can't imagine that. <laughs> I can't imagine that. People, yeah. people hate Mahomes because of his fiance and his brother, not even himself. It's just everyone he surrounds himself with. And they just absolutely ruin his image. I can't imagine the conversation that Patrick had with Jackson after the game. Oh, whatever. That's a whole different topic unrelated to football. Let's type talking in. on Sean Taylor. <laughs> That's what he did, man. I mean, shit. Hey, I already have a bad history of hating players at TikTok on logos. So anyway, let's get into this game. The Kansas City Chiefs end up beating the Washington football team 31 to 13. Kansas City Chiefs, after sitting at two and three before this game, are now sitting at 500. Um, Washington football team sitting at two and four. Let's get into the biggest takeaways and let's start with the injury report. Mitchell, what you got on Mr. Antonio Gibson? I heard there's something going on with his shin, his calf. What's the deal? Well, the shin. Same old, same old. It's the shin splints slash – well, it's probably shin splints at this point if it's still persisting throughout the year. It's just going to – matter of in, like how much pain tolerance he actually has. This week, running was not in the game plan, and you could tell because he put up an absolute dud in fantasy, even though Washington was primed for a good matchup for fantasy. It's just a matter of – how much he can actually tolerate. And it's going to be a week-by-week thing, unfortunately, until he is officially off the injury report. You can't have that question mark next to Antonio Gibson every week for fantasy. Yeah, and I, like, personally, he came out of this game. So, like, I don't know if he's going to play next week. Like, I really think it's almost at this point we have to start cutting our losses and not playing Antonio Gibson through the pain that he's going through right now. Like let's get Jared Patterson out there, the new guy, let's get JD McKissick out there receiving yards, getting up towards a hundred. Like let's, let's I love do Patterson. that. That works better. Anyway. Patterson is Take, good. Yeah. Patterson is good. We love him a lot. Um, uh, the first running back ever. Well, he has the record for most touchdowns in a single game as a college running back. I believe it was seven or eight. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it was seven or eight. So, yeah, we like Patterson. And honestly, Heineke plays better with Patterson and McKissick on the field rather than Antonio Gibson, which is not good news for fantasy owners of Antonio Gibson. Um, 
All right, let's dive into some of the other takeaways from this game. And is the Washington football defense coming into form or is the KC offense just in trouble? Now, I'm not talking about the second half. Take out the second half. The Chiefs, they scored three touchdowns in the second half and totally ran away with it. That's okay. But in the first half, I mean, to let the Washington football team defense at all, who is horrid, absolutely the worst in the National Football League by a million, how a Chiefs offense does not, they perform so poorly against this defense in the first half. I just could not believe what I was seeing. The Chiefs offense were held to 10 points in the first half. Patrick Mahomes had two picks in the first half. One was absolutely boneheaded where he was obviously going down and he just throws it up into the air and it gets picked off. Um, After the Darrell Williams rushing touchdown in the first quarter, they had on each of these drives for the rest of the half, they had an interception, a 52-yard field goal, a punt, a fumble, and then another interception. Those are the drives listed in order for the rest of that half. So not very good. And like I said, they did score three touchdowns in the second half, but that's not what we're worried about. (laughs) And the Washington football team defense, on the other hand, for the first, I know we lost and I know it was 31 to 13, but for the first time this season, I've seen signs of promise, signs of life out of this defense. I mean, we had three sacks in this game. We have 12 sacks on the year. And we had three in this game. Chase Young notched his second sack of the season in this game. He's very happy about. Two interceptions in the first half against Patrick Mahomes. And linebacker core looked great. Jamin Davis, Cole Holcomb combined for 22 tackles. And Cole Holcomb, got to give him the MVP this game. I mean, also a sack and a pass deflection. So, anyway, the point behind all that was – is the, was the defense just showing a little flash here or was the offense of Kansas City just in trouble? Jaden, I'll start with you. I'm seeing some weird looks here. I'm seeing, and you know how much that hurts? You know how you bad I know that we are? Was 31 this, to 13. <laughs> you brought this game into like the highlight. You put all these notes for this game to talk about just the first half. No, no, yes. I'm talking about yes. the, exactly the point. The talking. point behind this is I mentioned this before we even went into the game. I want to dive into the Chiefs. I think it's neither because we saw in the second half the Washington football defense got rid of their signs of life, and then the Chiefs offense came alive and torched them. So neither. Really, really. All right. Well, let me let me dive into some Patrick Mahomes stats then. All right, because. Uh, are we going to say that Patrick Mahomes and three touchdowns? Are we going to say that this is the Patrick Mahomes that we have seen? Okay, so far this year, no. no. All right, he has it's fifteen the interceptions. That we've seen he this has, year, not the year prior. He has prior. fifteen interceptions in his last fifteen starts, guys. There's, uh, there's, uh, but there's still no concern for the Kansas City offense. There's concern, but this game was not where the concern lies. After uh, in a first half in which we pick off Patrick Mahomes. Twice, I can't celebrate that. I can't. I can't Good. celebrate that. Good. That's ridiculous. That's Guys ridiculous. Yeah, you 20. can celebrate it until the start of the third quarter. The Chargers <laughs> lost six to thirty-four to the Baltimore Ravens. You fucking bum. <laughs> God, you and you went to the game too. You sorry ass motherfucker. God damn. Still I beat imagine. Washington. I could not imagine, <laughs> bro. 
I could not imagine still going to the game beat and Washington out like that. Boom. Still beat Washington. Kane, Couldn't imagine being under 500. Get out of here. Kane, unfortunately, if you would have went to the game, you would have witnessed a blowout. But I didn't because I knew we were going to get blown out. But yeah, Mitchell thought it was going to be an actual close game, and they were until I saw the injury report, which I'll get oh, into yeah. in my rant. Yeah, yeah. So luckily, All right, Mitchell has. Let's, Let's let's dumb it down. Let's take let's take a breather. I'm more talking myself, <laughs> but let me let me let me take. I'm not angry. Second. Anyway, phew. Can this season's Patrick Mahomes lead the Chiefs to a Super Bowl? Versus the Washington Football Team, he went 32 for 47, 397 yards, two touchdowns, but he had those two picks. So far on the season. He's got 1,800 yards, which is third, 18 touchdowns, which is first, but eight interceptions. And like I said earlier, 15 interceptions in last 15 starts, and the Chiefs lead the league in turnovers. So do you think this Patrick Mahomes can lead this team to a Super Bowl or maybe even just a division title? Jaden, what you got? Uh, With the team currently as constructed, and I can't imagine that they make any moves to the point where – you know, it gets much better than this. No, I just, this defense is not there. You allow 13 points to that Washington offense <laughs> after, <laughs> after what they've showed me so far this year, this is one of the two or three worst defenses in the NFL. Granted it's combined with one of the two or three best offenses in the NFL, but that offense has not been a top two or three offense so far. And Tyreek is struggling with injuries. Kelsey had a little tweak at the end of the game on his wrist. And Clyde being out for a little bit. I don't trust it right now. And the Chargers, while they, you know, whatever happened to them on Sunday, they're still least, probably the favorite at least division we put up right 13. Now. At least we put up 13. I'll take it. I'll take it. Especially – Especially if I was Enough that I've heard it for 30 fucking hours straight. I have to hear it on the <laughs> podcast now, too. It's not like we're a football podcast or anything. <laughs> the only but, winner on this podcast today. Oh, boo, you suck. Do you count it as a win against Geno Smith, though? You had to go to overtime to beat Geno Smith. These are the facts here. <laughs> and Alex Collins. And Alex Collins. What are the eyes hey. raised for? We played the Chiefs, man. And you guys led the Geno Smith-led Seahawks with a terrible defense. What kind of eyes am I getting? You're two and four. You guys are three and three. Congratulations. Everybody hats off. There are the Chiefs. Four and two. Number two in the AFC still. Woo. We do need to have something. We need to have a pure episode where we just yell at each other about our teams. I think we're having it right now. That'll happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> this uh, this just might be have to be the whole. Hour. I, I'm gonna yell at you guys in this next segment. <laughs> at us, can't wait, can't wait. Yeah. But let's dive into the last little piece that I wanted to get into about this game. And the anti Tyreek defense is working. We played two high safeties all game. Which, by the way, Landon Collins is an embarrassment of a pass coverage safety. He got mossed by somebody. I don't. I think his name was Fenton. I. Don't know who that was, but Landon Collins was not even facing the ball. He put his hands up and he got mossed. But um, anyway, uh, we played two high safeties the whole game, and we held Tyreek Hill in check for the most part. He had nine catches on 12 targets, 76 yards, and a touchdown. And 
I mean, this is a very good game, but like we're used to Tyreek having over hundred yards receiving if he's going to boom, you know what I'm saying? So the anti, especially considering how bad our defense is, like the fact that we could hold Tyreek to this is I can't believe it. Like with our pet, with our secondary, I just can't believe it. But the anti Tyreek defense seems to be working. If you take out the Eagles game in which Tyreek Hill finished with 186 yards and three touchdowns, Tyreek Hill has just one touchdown over four games and he has an average of 52 yards in those games. So Tyreek Hill kind of what makes you surprised by that? I'm wondering how much that Browns game actually takes into effect because I'm pretty sure he had like 11 for 197 or something like that against the Browns week one. He's he's been all over the place fantasy wise. Uh, He had 38 week one, six in week two, nine in week three, 47 in week four, 14 against Buffalo, and then 22 last week. Yeah. But the t- like it just goes to show you like this defense is, is pretty easy to game plan against the Chiefs. I mean, it's easier to take Tyreek Hill out of the game than it is to take Travis Kelsey. And I'll let Travis Kelsey like if I'm a defense, I'm letting Travis Kelsey sure get 100 yards and two tuds, but I'm not letting Tyreek Hill go for 200 yards and four tuds against me. I don't think I even factored in that Browns game into that stat, but. Regardless, you read off the fantasy stats. He's been all over the board this year. Proof that the anti-Tyreek defense is working with the two high safeties. All right, enough about the Chiefs and the Washington football team. Let's dive into, we've already alluded to it a lot, the Chargers and Ravens game, which which is supposed to be the game of the week this week, and I couldn't wait for it, but Chargers really laid a stinker for us, man. I mean, six to 34. They take a (laughs) – we scored 13 points. Um, And they didn't score 34. Against, Um, like, the bottom five defense in the league, man. 13 points against the bottom five defense. Anyway, anyway, with this loss, six to 34 at the Baltimore Ravens, the Chargers are now sitting at four and two, and the Ravens are sitting at five and one. Um, let's dive into the biggest takeaways. Let's start with the injury report and really quickly, what you got on Latavius Murray who ended up leaving this game? Uh, from everything the Ravens are saying, it's not going to be that serious. I wouldn't be surprised if he was out next week though, because they have four running backs on deck at all times. He's still their leading back, but by the sounds of it, it's nothing serious. Expect a decreased workload, but Nothing major. Gotcha. Gotcha. Worthy, worthy of a note, though, Tyson Williams, another healthy scratch this week. Mm, you're right. Wow. That's unbelievable. How's, how's Le'Veon Bell getting reps over Tyson? And Tyson looks so good in that first game, too. Makes me sad. But, Mitchell, I'm going to toss it over to you, man. Explain yourself. Why was this not the game of the week? Why did you disappoint all of America? This is on well, you. Well, if you look at the initial injury report, our linebackers that were out were Kenneth Murray, Kyler Fackrell, and Drew Tranquil. So we swap in four linebackers at a time the entire game, and we were left with Kaiser White and a fifth-string linebacker pretty much play the entire game. And the fifth-string linebacker ended up getting hurt in the first quarter. He came back by the end, and then – 
as much as I don't want to say it, Nas Adderley, who's a complete liability, is integral to this defense because he was out and we couldn't play Derwin at that linebacker position slash utility position that we usually do. So he had to play that 12 yards back safety position and the earliest he could get to any of the running backs was about six yards into the field. So they could just scorch us the entire game. And then on the offensive side, it was very windy out there. And on that first deep ball to Mike Williams, I watched that ball sail about two yards to the left of where he actually threw it. And at that point, Herbert was not looking past 10 yards down the field the entire game. Granted, Oday Boucher went down for the rest of the year. And then his backup was also out for the game. So we had to bring up a practice squad guy who knew nothing about the offense and they absolutely abused that position the entire game. It was just an overall combination of injuries at the wrong time and not being able to game plan. If this is were a game in the playoffs where we had time to prepare and much less last minute injuries like we had this game, I don't think it would have been as bad, but overall <laughs> I hope not. That Ravens team, <laughs> they were absolutely filthy. Bynes looked amazing. Marlin looked like he was worth oh every God. penny of the contract. The 30-year-old running backs that combined for an age of 100 combined looked <laughs> solid, but who wouldn't have looked solid against our run D, having Derwin as our only lot, like good tackling player on the defense, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage every play, but – also, I would just like to take a moment to say that the Baltimore fans are way worse than the Washington fan. <laughs> I didn't even make it in the stadium before I got cussed out a dozen times, and I didn't hey, say man. anything to anybody. Someone threw <laughs> up a Nazi salute to me mid-game. Jeez, man. Let's not, let's not alienate the Ravens, uh, the Ravens fans in this podcast, which probably make up going a to. strong majority. <laughs> they're, they're an amazing team, but I hate their fans. And I mean every word of that. They're very passionate. They're very passionate. Our department saying, kind of turn them off. Turn them off. <laughs> <laughs> but let's dive into some of the my personal biggest takeaways from this game. And um, – the Chargers run defense, you mentioned it. They fell through in this game without the linebackers. I mean, 187 total rushing yards allowed. It combined three touchdowns. And listen to this hardy crew here that all had a touchdown. Devontae Freeman, nine carries, 53 yards and touchdown. Latavius Murray, nine carries, 44 yards and a touchdown. Le'Veon Bell, wearing the ripe number 17 carries the ball eight times for 44 yards and a touchdown. And Lamar also had eight carries on 51 yards. But imagine that backfield in 2015. My God. I mean, that is – they're all pro bowlers. So, I, I love that. That is so cool that they just brought in a bunch of washed-up all-stars to manage their backfield. I fully support it. Fully support it. Um, Jaden, real quickly, do you think any running back among these three stands out to you the most? Or? Absolutely not, As, especially not fantasy-wise. I'm staying away from all three of these guys. I don't care. It, it's just – it's on a game-by-game -game basis. I think, though, if you have to pick a guy, it's Latavius Murray. Certainly. I trust him more than the other two. I'm, I was actually surprised that Le'Veon almost had the same amount of carries as Freeman and Murray. Just I was a huge critic of that signing just to 
his running style does not fit the read option offense. And I know I've, every play they run is not a read option, but it just doesn't fit very well for what they do. But it's working. Got in the end zone. So, yeah, Le'Veon Bell definitely looked the worst of the three running backs by far. Um, maybe because he was just wearing the number 17, but um, for real, he did look like the worst among the three. So a lot of, a lot of talking on Twitter just to do that. So um, next thing I want to dive into, uh, you mentioned it, Mitchell, Marlon Humphrey is a dog. He is a gangster. Marlon Humphrey and this Ravens defense absolutely balled out in this game. They held the red hot elite Chargers offense, who was arguably the most exciting offense coming into this game. I don't think it's even arguably. I think it was hands down the most exciting offense and probably still is, you know, but they held this Chargers offense to 208 total yards and just one touchdown. To put it in perspective, in week one, the Chargers had 424 total yards against Washington, 408 yards against Dallas in week two. 437 yards against KC in week three, 380 yards against Vegas in week four, and 493 yards against Cleveland in week five. They have not scored less than 10 points since week 13 of last year. So very uncharacteristic of this Chargers team. But again, I just want to say Marlon Humphrey is a god. He held the best wide receiver duo in football right now to a combined seven catches and 77 yards and zero touchdowns. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, Jaden, I'll start with you. What do you think of this Ravens defense, despite the loss of Marcus Peters at the beginning of the year, which I thought might have just baked in their season, honestly? Uh, it's really coming together. Anthony Abert has actually looked – he's obviously not Marcus Peters, but he's looked like a, comp- a competent starting corner. Tavon Young has looked fine, but their run defense still not the greatest, even though Austin Eckler had was it six carries for seven yards. Very bad. And we were talking a lot about coming into this game about how Austin Eckler, if he can take a big role in this running game, this would mean a whole different world for this Chargers offense, but not against this Ravens defense. Anyway. So uh, this was a matchup that I, would have trusted for Austin Eckler to get some more running work. And obviously game script didn't really allow for him to run the ball a whole lot, but there's still some things that need to be worked out. The run defense being probably the main one, Patrick Queen still being on the field. It's another issue, but (laughs) it's a lot better than I thought. Good stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Um, All right. So realistically, what does this mean for both teams going forward? The Chargers now sitting in 4-2. Um, in the AFC West, it's kind of tight right now, but you got the Raiders, who surprisingly took out the dub on Sunday uh, over the Broncos. They're now sitting at 4-2. Broncos sitting at 3-3, three and three, and the Chiefs sitting at 3-3 three and three as well. Um, the Chargers' upcoming schedule is very easy compared to yeah, Brandon Staley. Um, in the post-game press conference was like, hey, we have played six very good teams so far this year. Um, I would not include uh, Washington football team in that, but um, (laughs) they have played at least five really good teams so far this year, and they've come out with a four and two record. 
So that's very impressive. And Staley emphasized this in the postgame presser. But the upcoming schedule gets a lot easier for the Chargers going forward. Um, they play the Patriots at home. They play at the Eagles. They play the Vikings at home. And they play the Steelers at home. So a pretty nice schedule upcoming for the Chargers. Mitchell, how are you feeling going forward? Well, I'm shocked you would say Washington was an easy game, considering you made them our headliner Sunday game to discuss. But uh, honestly, I think the floor at this point, probably 12 and 5. We have a cakewalk of a second half schedule. I'm not really worried. The Raiders played the Broncos. They're always iffy in divisional matchups. It's not that surprising that the Raiders won. It kind of came down to a coin toss between those two. Uh, overall, the Chiefs still haven't shown me enough to worry me for the division contention. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Jaden? Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree about the Chiefs, but you got to think now they're just a game behind you. And you, ha- you do have a pretty easy schedule, but they're only one game off of you right now. And I think this game – kind of halts the momentum of the Chargers. I think it'll be easy for them to pick it back up because they have a high-powered offense and have a nice couple games. So we'll be able to put up a lot of points, win a few games, and get that momentum rolling right back again. But as for right now, I really do think this kind of – this all this momentum that they've had, beating the Chiefs and all these good teams, just comes almost to a screeching halt with a loss mm-hmm. like this to a team that you were probably should have beat. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, sitting at three and three, the Chiefs right behind him. Mitchell, what you think? Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say shouldn't be or should have beat. I, you know, it's a big game. Well, but you've played a lot of good teams so far. I mean, Jaden Kozak's opinion says Chargers. So you look at all three of the linebackers that were out; they're going to be back after the bye week. You look at Nas Adderley; he's a week by week kind of guy on the injury he has. He'll be back. And then Chiefs, they play Tennessee next week. They play the Packers. They play Dallas. They play us again. And they play a few NFC North teams that can always give them contention just because NFC a, North. That's a really the hard four-run game stretch right Pittsburgh. <laughs> the next four games they have are the, the Titans. That's going to be a hard game. Giants mm-hmm. should be a cakewalk if the injuries are still present. Vegas, who – you never know who's going to expect. They always show up for one game against Vegas, Dallas, and then they're by. It's not necessarily a cakewalk for them going into this bye week, considering some of the teams they've lost to at this point, which is why I'm not pressing the panic button at this point. And I, I think we can still get the – we're in contention for anywhere between one and three seed if we manage to hold off the Chiefs. Nice debate there. Nice debate. All right. Um, really quickly, what does this mean for the Ravens after this dub? Uh, they end up at a 5-1 and one record now. Um, unbelievable, considering what they've overcome. I mean, two of the starting running backs injured, like not just injured, out for the year. Then you got Marcus Peters out for the year. Like, I cannot believe this, this team is doing so far this year. But they're in the AFC North. Uh, Bengals sitting at four and two. Bengals looking really solid, especially after that talk we had last week. Um, Steelers sitting at three and three after their dub on Sunday Night Football. And the Browns are also sitting at three and three after losing to the Cardinals. Um, the Ravens, upcoming schedule. They play the Bengals at home, the Vikings at home. 
Then they play at Miami and at Chicago. So outside of the Bengals, and I mean, the Vikings have looked very good. Um, it's a fairly easy schedule. So really quickly, Jaden, um, what does this mean for the Ravens going forward? Huge momentum. It's the same way it was a huge momentum halt for the Chargers. It's a huge momentum boost for the Ravens. They are probably the hottest team in the NFL right now, maybe excluding Arizona. They've looked fantastic. Lamar didn't look so great on Sunday, but, I mean, they he did all they could. They look great. Yeah, for sure. Mitchell? Well, like Jaden said, Lamar probably did nothing to help his MVP case, but the emergence of Bynes, I feel like at this point, Queen was their weak spot in that defense, and Bynes outshined him by a mile. Now, granted, it's the Baltimore Ravens. They'll probably blow a game that they shouldn't blow at all. It's probably going to end up being like the Miami Dolphins or something ridiculous like that where they just randomly lose a game. But this team is the hottest team in football right now. The Vikings may – I mean, the Cardinals may have beaten the Browns this week, but you look at the Browns' injury report that we're going to get to pretty soon, and it – you wonder how that game wasn't even more of a blowout considering Kyler put the ball on the ground four times on snaps or running the ball. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. We'll dive into it in a second. But last thing I wanted to mention, Lamar now with that win on Sunday has the most wins of any quarterback under the age of 25 in NFL history. So Lamar doing spectacular things can no longer doubt the Superman that he is. All right. Next game, we just alluded to it, was another possible game of the week matchup, but it just wasn't that either. Um, Arizona Cardinals advanced to 6-0 and and stay undefeated after beating the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, 37-14. to The Browns now sitting at 3-3. Three and three. Um, Biggest takeaways. I think the biggest takeaway from this game in general was the injuries. So let's dive into it. Mitch, what you got for us? I would just like to start off the bat by saying your injury expert only looks into fantasy appeal for players. <laughs> so he did not look into Conklin and Wills Jr. Because had I known they were very questionable for this game, I would have never taken the Browns to win this game. Kareem Hunt, he went down. He was grabbing at his calf. Initially, it looked like it may have been a Kayla's issue. But it so far, it seems like good news. It just seems like a bad calf strain, which sounds horrible because if they put him on IR this quick, this quick, it's probably a grade two, which means four to six weeks he's out. And that's not good considering this team is so injury stricken. And then you look at Baker Mayfield. He went down on that same shoulder again. He was in such a compromised position to hurt it even more considering he had a partial tear in the labrum. They're currently doing MRIs and waiting results on that. It does not look good. Granted, it is a non-throwing shoulder, but if he's out for the year, you got to look for them to trade for another quarterback. Nick Chubb still dealing with that calf injury. That is usually a tough injury for running backs to come come back from out of any position and I would not be surprised if he was out on Thursday. Granted, Baker, if his results are horrible, he's not going to play. Nick Chubb's probably not going to play. You can't imagine they're going to send out their top guys for that. 
But if Baker comes back, I feel like they may rush Chubb back, and that might end up being a long-term issue. Odell, he went down in the second quarter, landed awkwardly on his shoulder. He came back and played the rest of the game, so I'm not that concerned about it. And then potentially one of the guys in the runnings for defensive rookie of the year, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, high ankle sprain. That is Hmm. a four to six week injury and just yet another blow on the Browns, a team that was a clear Super Bowl contender just two weeks ago before they were devastated by injuries. And this kid was showing a lot of promise just before he went down. And it's just yet another blow to the Browns. I know. It's just, I feel so bad for them, man. Like, to have a team like that where you were bad for so long and you have a shot at the Super Bowl this year and you just get absolutely railed by injuries, it sucks. It sucks. I feel bad for him. But let's dive into the – The worst part is I could have gone probably 25 more minutes discussing their injuries <laughs> on the entire roster. I know. That's the truth. And you mentioned Chubb, like, rushing him back. I heard something today that, like, Hunt wasn't really super ready for this game and they didn't expect to use him a lot. And they ended up having to use him a lot because they were down. And that is their offense running the football. And it proved to be too much. I mean, he couldn't even get off on his own power. It was terrible. Like got carted off immediately. It looks like Kareem Hunt's going to head to IR. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, he immediately got put on it. It, the fact that they put him on IR shows me it's probably a grade two. So expect it to be the timeline of those high ankle sprains. It's not a good sign for them. He's just lucky he didn't tear his Achilles the way he was grabbing. I thought it was going to be way worse. Yeah, for sure. There was a lot of people saying Achilles, but looks like the calf injury and he's headed to IR. Bad signs for the Browns. Um, another bad sign for the Browns, um, despite Baker's shoulder injury, um, he just did not look good in this game. I mean, he went 19 for 28, 234 yards, two touchdowns, but he had an interception and two fumbles. That's three crucial turnovers, which absolutely costed him. On the one interception, uh, it was ran back to their own 28-yard line, and that led to a field goal. And on the two fumbles, he fumbled at his own 15-yard line. That led to a field goal. And he fumbled on the Arizona 47-yard line. And that led to a touchdown. So you take out, what, 13 points? I mean, it's a lot closer game if those 13 points aren't scored, but they were scored because of Baker's costly turnovers. Um, My question is, though, we were kind of talking about Baker in the group chat the other day among me and Kane and Jaden and Mitchell and Tyler. Uh, We were talking about whether or not Baker is a top 10 quarterback in this league. And I think it's pretty clear after this game that he's not. Um, I think that shoulder has a lot to do with it, but he also, you mentioned Mitchell did not have his two starting tackles in this game either. So I think if he's healthy, it's a different story, but right now, can Baker Mayfield lead this team to a division title at least, or maybe can he even lead them to the playoffs with without Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb possibly for an extended period of time. Jaden, what you got? It's really because the Ravens look like they're going to win the division now. And I hate to be that guy, but it's probably going to be the Bengals. 
out of the AFC North. If there's a wild card team right now, man, the Browns are not looking good if if the running backs aren't there, even if Baker Mayfield is healthy. Offense stinks. So if Baker yeah. Mayfield's not there, the offense is going to be awful because Case Keenum was fine last time he was playing starting minutes, but I has he been the starter in Cleveland yet? I don't think he hasn't, at least no. not for an elongated period of time. And the last time he was a starter, he had Dalvin Cook as a running back. Yeah. And Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs through two. So he has had starting opportunities since and not been good. Yeah. He's going to be fine. Like he's not going to tank their season, but he surely doesn't help when you've got three teams that, you know, legit can make a playoff run in your own division, much less chiefs, chargers, Raiders, Broncos, even in the other, in another division, Titans, Colts, in another division, Patriots, Bills, Lots of teams in the AFC that could make playoff runs, so you can't continue to take weeks off with injuries. Yeah. I will say that I don't think this team is anywhere close to being anywhere near successful without Baker. Like, Baker, despite his, like, not fantastic stat lines, think about how important he is to this team. First of all, he is the locker room presence of all locker room presence. Like, he literally had a torn shoulder in which he was twitching on the field and JJ Watt had to wave out the medical staff. Baker goes to the, into the tent, comes back out literally two minutes later and starts throwing the football. Like he is the most dedicated, toughest dude in football. And people love that. Like, all right, the most that's, it might be a stretch, but yeah. he the amount of toughness this guy showed. I mean, Mitchell, explain to me how a guy with a torn labrum, like in that in which he lands directly on it, like how does he come back into the game like that? Like that's I it it was non-throwing shoulder, so it's not as bad, and he already had torn it. I'm more impressed by someone like Matt Stafford, who literally had a broken bone in his collarbone and relayed a game-winning touchdown drive. It it took a lot of heart, but it was useless heart in this game at that point. I mean, at that point, there was still a chance for them to come back. But I, I'm a big Baker guy. Played the game. I, I'm a big Baker guy. I can tell you guys are not for some, like, I get it. Dude, like, I yeah. used to be the biggest Baker guy. But just watching him not be the dude that he was supposed to be and then watching Burrow come in and kind of be the guy that he was supposed to be just kind of made me fall off the Baker train. He's still got so much swagger, though, bro. Like, you He's can't got swagger, hate. but he doesn't have talent, so – Come on, man. No talent. Dude, the, what Baker Mayfield too. has done. He's got done, great acting talent. <laughs> there you go. But what Baker has done with this team, considering where they were before, like if they did not have Baker Mayfield as their quarterback, they I see with Case Keenum, this team is a completely different team. Like absolutely atrocious type level. Like I really think this could go south very quickly if Baker is not the quarterback. Even if I mean, like – even if Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb somehow get healthy, if Baker is not the quarterback, it's not good, man. I, There's an I argument really... to be made that Baker Mayfield is the reason that they're the he's fuck. Baker Mayfield is the thing that's been holding the Browns back. 
No, I think there's a very strong argument to make there. But as far as like the drop off from Baker Mayfield, who has played a very important part of this franchise's success since coming out of the gutters of the National Football League to Case Keenum, that's well, going to be yeah, from to a backup level player. But to any to most starter level players, you're going to kind of see a lot of the same. All right. Fair enough. That's good. That's good debate there. Good debate. All right. Oh, also wanted to mention my Donovan Beeples Jones talking him up last week. Uh, I heard I saw a lot of weird looks from both of you when I mentioned that Donovan Peoples Jones is a pretty solid player and not to sleep on him. Those are my words exactly, not to sleep on him. He said he and, had been good this year and he had like 10 targets the entire season. So that's what I was looking I'll at. I'll still give you those same looks yeah, too. I'll do it then, again. Uh, he had 101 yards and two touchdowns in this game, Mitchell. So, like, again. do you think you could do that in a football game? I said – God to this you point can. in the season, he hadn't been good. Flag football. Flag football I know he's legend. solid. He's solid last year. It's just he wasn't getting looks this year, even with no wide receivers oh, out there. Oh, now he's, uh, now he's saying all this stuff. You didn't want to say it last week, huh? Yeah. You act like I, I said he was basically Terry McLaurin out there. Complete garbage. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, Kyler. 6-0 Cardinals. I mean, he is climbing himself back atop the MVP ladder with this dub, in my opinion. He went 20 for 30 in this game, 229 yards and four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's now sitting at almost 1,800 yards passing, sitting at seventh in the league, 14 touchdowns, tied for fifth, and four interceptions. So Kyler just continues to make a hell of a case for MVP. And Jaden... You'll be happy to hear this. DeAndre Hopkins caught two touchdown passes in this game, but he continues to struggle with the targets. He had three catches on only four targets. This is DeAndre Hopkins we're talking about. Four targets, 55 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, take it over to A.J. Green. Five catches on six targets, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Christian Kirk. Five catches on eight targets, 75 yards, and a touchdown. I'm going to go ahead with my hot take here. I really – I did this thing with D-Hop last year. D-Hop makes those kind of plays like, all right, I'm going to get into a fantasy kind of topic here just so it's clear. Last year, after D-Hop had that amazing, like, commercials, it's on commercials for next-gen stats now, after he had that Hail Mary throw from Kyler where he completely mossed three defenders and came down with the ball, I traded DeAndre Hopkins that week because he does not get the target share that an elite wide receiver should. Kyler loves to spread the ball around, but D-Hop is going to have these spectacular plays because it's D-Hop, but for some reason – they just don't like to involve him super in the offense. But when they need to go to him, they go to him. Like last week, he had that game-winning touchdown. Like he's going to have these plays because he's D-hop. But this target share, I mean, in a regular game, like I think it's time to sell high on D-hop after this game. Jaden, I'm saying it's time to sell high on D-hop. What are your thoughts? We're going to cut this from the podcast because – um, one of our friends listens to this, so this this will not make it out, right? Go ahead. 
No, right? it'll make it out. You gotta you, you gotta provide an unbiased opinion here. Come on. We're a sports um, podcast. Well, if you want my <laughs> biased opinion, I would probably get taken off the air. <laughs> but but yeah, it's very frustrating to watch him get that low target share when he's supposed to be in that upper echelon with Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, who consistently get seven, eight, nine targets a game. And yes, the touchdowns are great, but God sakes, dude, throw the ball. I've said it probably for three or four straight weeks now. Give the ball to your best player. You give him four targets, he scores two touchdowns. His three catches, two of them were touchdowns. The other was like a 30-yard ball. D-Hop has done this since he got to Arizona. Like, there is a pattern showing. So, in my opinion, in fantasy, sell as high as you can on D-Hop right now. After that game that he had two touchdowns, I mean, the Instagram post is going around right now of them Goku-ing Kyler and D-Hop. Like, this is this is fake news. Nice. D-Hop is not a reliable option in fantasy. Mitchell, what you thinking? I would definitely try to sell high on someone who is maybe a Cardinals fan. You never know. <coughs> like Marcus. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, he, he just hasn't been getting the target share you expect of a guy who is notoriously a possession receiver and has managed to get those targets with even the worst of quarterbacks and managed to get, what, like 80% of the catches on him? It, it just baffles me that he's not getting – more passes his way yeah for sure for sure but you heard it from my my mouth and you heard it from mitchell's it's time to sell high on deandre hopkins as Jaden stares at me in a deathly look time to dive into our last game that we have on the slate from week six that was part of the marquee matchups but wasn't coming into the week, but ended up being a hell of a game. The Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots take it to overtime in a thriller. The Cowboys end up on top 35 to 29. The Cowboys now sitting at five and one. The Patriots now sitting at two and four. Let's quickly go through the injury reports. Um, Dak Prescott, Mitchell, left his, uh, he didn't leave the game, but he had a calf injury on the final play. What's the word there? Well, he was seen in the boot after the game. He initially did not seem that concerned. Thank God they are going in through a bye week because I would hate to watch this Dallas Cowboys team go through backup after backup like last year again. Granted, it's still something to look at, but it's a two-week stay-on-the-road thing looking at this injury. I wouldn't be that concerned because if it's a grade one strain, it's one to three weeks, if that. He's not a major concern. Now, Tyron Smith, I didn't see a lot on him. He he frequently got these minor injuries and just plays through them. And then Damian Harris, even with the rib injury coming into this game, he looked amazing. He showed he out did. in this game. And I don't have that many concerns about the injuries he's had so far this year. He looks to be back where he was. Yeah, no, I thought the same thing during this game. I mean, Damian Harris is one of the best pure runners in the league. Like, I mean, you've got your Nick Chubb, who's in a whole different planet. But, like, Eric Damian Harris. pretty good, too. Yeah, you're right. That's true. I guess. I guess you got a point there. But 
Anyway, Damian Harris balled out in this game. He looked phenomenal. But in the end, it wasn't enough because the Dallas Cowboys came out with a win on the backs of C.D. Lamb. How many times have I told everyone, man, that C.D. Lamb is a superstar? And he proved it in this game. Nine catches on 11 targets, 149 yards, and two touchdowns he had the game-winning touchdown catch in overtime and at the end of the play Jalen Mills he starts CD starts skipping into the end zone right and then Jalen Mills absolutely decks him CD gets right up and waves in his face I love that I love players like that dude with the swagger that CD has I love it Cowboys players Hey man, I so I'd like to mention very happily that uh, I officially smacked the hell out of Mitchell and fantasy ballers. So with that CD CD Lamb forty point performance in fantasy, so I'll take it. But thanks to his seven Cowboys players actually showing up for a change. Hmm. Well, I am. I did knock you off as. You were undefeated going into this game. I'd also like to mention that. So that gives me a little. You know extra. what? I wasn't 0 and 5 like you were last week. Guess who was 0 and 5 in this league? Add though. on to guess, that. Guess who was 0 and 5 in this league? It's me, but guess who got a win this week? This guy. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Due to well, a PI in the end league, So I'm sitting in four and two in that league. And my league, my team looks better than everybody else's. I got to say that. I mean, it's because it's the Cowboys. You think about it. Dak Prescott, Najee Harris, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, Mark Andrews, Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton. This is in a 10-team league with a double flex uh, kicker defense. And I've got some okay guy, but I've got Daryl Williams on the bench. Like, Are are we going to do this? Are we really going to do this? No. Okay. No, we're not. Uh, I just wanted to. Do you to, want I me to read all five roster? <laughs> he is sitting at, he was sitting at five and over one of this game. So hats off Mitchell. Anyway, let's dive into the rest of this game. Um, Amari Cooper got outshined by CeeDee Lamb in this game. Five catches on eight targets, 55 yards. But I, I'm starting to come around to the idea that despite CeeDee Lamb having the clear bet, like, we, me and Jaden had extensive talks about this before the season and very early on in the season. And Jaden's original thought process was that CeeDee Lamb was like definitely below Amari Cooper. But I thought that CeeDee Lamb was better than Amari Cooper. And it's starting to show, but I definitely agree with Jaden. There is going to be big Amari Cooper games and there is going to be big CeeDee Lamb games. I think CeeDee Lamb is clearly the more talented wide receiver just more physically gifted than Amari Cooper is. But I really like considering Amari Cooper's chemistry with Dak and what has happened so far this year, like you're going to get your big Amari Cooper games and you're going to get your big CD Lamb Lamb games. There's plenty enough for both guys to eat in this electric Dallas Cowboys offense. All right. Let's dive into a hot topic of ours, which we were talking a lot about over the course of this game. And that is Mr. Trayvon Diggs. He got his seventh interception in this game. He has had an interception in all six games this season, which is time for the longest streak in NFL history. The seven picks that he has had so far this year, which is it, this is concluding the conclusion of week six. 
They uh, this seven picks is the most in a full season by Dallas Cowboys players since 1985, since somebody had nine interceptions. He also returned the pick in this game for a touchdown, if that'll tell you something. So, but the big topic of debate here was that he got burned, quote, burned by Kendrick Bourne to send the game to overtime. Kendrick Bourne had the long touchdown run that tied the game up and sent him to overtime in the first place. And a lot of people were quick to throw this on Trayvon Diggs, but not so fast, man. Casey, DeMonte Casey, the safety for the Dallas Cowboys, absolutely messed up on this play. I mean, if you just go back and watch it, I don't even know what he was doing. He was coming in hot for the inside pick, and then he, like, goes around Kendrick and and Trayvon to, like, try to pick it from the other side. I just didn't – I just didn't understand it. Like, that should have been Casey's ball. But – and you could tell. Trayvon even let up a little bit, which is probably Trayvon's fault. But Trayvon even let up a little bit because he knew Casey had the easy interception. But he totally messed up on it. And then Trayvon had to go zero to 100 to catch up with Kendrick Bourne. He didn't end up catching him. But what are your guys' thoughts on Trayvon Diggs? I mean, we've talked a lot about it. Jaden, I see like a really like, like uh, I don't know, a shit-eating face right now. Like, I don't know what that is. What, what's going through your head? Just tired of Trevon Diggs being talked about, like the next coming of Christ. That is all. Um, yeah, sure. You said it. We talked about it a little bit before the podcast. As horrible as Demonte Kazee is, and as horrible of a football player it isn't as bad as a coverage play that he just made. He led the league in picks a few years ago, which just goes to show you, maybe the guy who leads the league in picks isn't the best corner in the league not saying that and any kind of you know you want to pull up okay well this play isn't Trayvon Diggs fault well you know maybe some of the picks that he's made have not totally been all of his talent maybe receivers have fallen down I've seen it with my own two eyes there have been yeah seven interceptions in six games and this is because players are just falling down all seven yes all seven the player drops through the stadium and it just falls right into his hands Fair. Yeah, that's what I saw, too. I don't know what I was talking about. Go check the tape. (laughs) Run the tape back. But my argument for Trayvon Diggs, I just want to get this out because people have said, like, I mean, it was proved in this game and it's been proven so far this year. Receivers do very well against Trayvon Diggs. And he is not nearly good in man coverage. He gets torn apart by big name receivers. But this is a guy who literally just moved to the position of cornerback. He moved to the position of cornerback at Alabama in college, which is like he's already in college. So they switched him to a position at a big-time school like Alabama, which he was very upset about. He wanted to play receiver, but he gets moved to corner. And let's not forget, this is a Trayvon Diggs just one year removed from his rookie year. So – There's an argument to be made that he's still really trying to learn this position. Like a very solid argument to be made there. And like I said, he's terrible at man coverage. Absolutely terrible. But if you're throwing zone coverage out there, there's an argument to be made that he is the best zone coverage defender in the league. With the way that he reads the routes, he reads the routes like a receiver. Like he knows exactly where these guys are going to go on their routes 
because he used to play receiver and he can read the quarterback so well that he has the most interceptions in this stretch in NFL history. And you mentioned the guy that leads a league in interceptions is not really like, might not be consistent, you know, like that guy's kind of fluky. And I kind of agree with you there, but this guy is doing something that nobody else in this league has ever done in the history of this league. Like he's not just leading the league in interceptions. He's doing it at a, in a historic pace already seven interceptions so that's my argument for Trayvon Diggs I really think you know what would be interesting and I was thinking about this today what if they moved him to safety at some point just to be a ball hawk you know because like he's getting burned as a corner like I'm not going to doubt that but if we're talking about the Kendrick Bourne play that's a whole different thing but he's getting sauce this year in man coverage but if you throw him as a ball hawk in one of the safety positions I mean, good, but then he's learning a whole other position again. You're right. You're right. But he's <laughs> as a pro. Yeah, you're right. Very true. But I mean, this guy's athletic. He could do it. He could do it. Anyway, yeah, stick up that's, for the Cowboys. Of course. Of course. I'm about to do it again about Mr. Dak Prescott, who after this game creeps up the MVP ladder even more, finishes 36 for 51, 455 yards or 445 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. And I don't know why he's not higher up on the MVP ranks right now. Like you got to think about last year, this team, there is a clear sample size, a whole season's worth of what this team looks like without Dak Prescott and what it looks like with Dak Prescott. They are five and one right now compared to the dismal. I love to throw that out there season that they had last year. Like, it's it's hard to argue against him as MVP right now. Like, he's absolutely balling out. Like, I'm just saying. What, what kind of clear resume, like, uh, with and without a player do you have? Because this is the most valuable player award. Who is the most valuable and crucial to your team's success? And I think it's pretty hard to argue against Dak Prescott. Am I putting him at one? No. But if you put him in one, I'm not calling you crazy. I'm not. So, uh, final thing I want to mention from this game, Mac Jones continues to prove he's the best quarterback in the class. Um, 15 for 21, very efficient, 229 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Um, ballsy throw to Kendrick Bourne for the game or the game-tying touchdown. So, really like what Mac Jones is doing this year. All right. Well, that does it for our marquee matchups from this week. Minus – the Kansas City Washington football team matchup, which I'm not considering a marquee matchup, but it was a marquee team that is very important to talk about, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. Just defending my marquee matchup pick right there. But anyway, let's dive into some of the smaller matchups this week that happened. Uh, Dolphins take the L against the Jaguars. Surprisingly, both teams sitting at one and five now, and Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer catch their first dub with a game-winning field goal. So. Good to see there, or not good to see. Uh, Screw Urban Meyer. I don't care. Um, Packers end up on top of the Bears, 24 to 14. Um, Mr. Rogers combines for three touchdowns, two passes and a rushing touchdown. And he had that little uh, discount double check in the end zone after the rushing touchdown and yelled at Chicago fans that he owns them. And that's why he's my favorite player in the league, hands down. 
that's why Aaron Rodgers is one of the only jerseys in my closet right now. So Bengals win against the Lions, putting them at 0-6, uh, 34 to 11. Bengals now sitting at 4-2. Uh, Joey Burrow throws for three touchdowns, continues to look good, and Jamar Chase goes for 97 um, yards, not touchdowns, in case you were wondering. Um, the Texans take the L against the Colts, 3-31. to The Colts starting to make a little bit of a bounce back here. Um, despite losing on Monday night football to the Ravens, they're now sitting at two and four. Um, Jonathan Taylor continues to ball out. He went for 145 yards and two touchdowns on the ground in this game. Uh, the Rams smack up on a very injured giant squad. Um, Rams now sitting at five and one with this dub. Uh, Stafford throws two of his four touchdowns to Mr. Cooper cup and I know, Jaden, you don't like to hear that. That's why I put so much emphasis on that. But um, Danny Dimes threw three interceptions without his core weapons in this game and lost Kadarius Tony very early on. Mitchell, you want to say something quick about that, maybe? Well, if he re-aggravated the same exact ligament from the ankle sprain last week, I would definitely not expect him in this week. It's definitely something to watch during his practice status throughout the week. I'm not that optimistic for him coming in the next week. Gotcha. Gotcha. Also one, I mean, I'm still standing by my waiver wire pickup of the year thing because before in the three plays that he was in, he was balling out. He had like three catches for 50 yards. He was schooling Jalen Ramsey. Like, come on from what you've seen from Kadarius Tony, you gotta love it. Um, Vikings end up winning in a dramatic fashion, uh, 34 to 28 over the Panthers. Um, the Panthers dropped their third straight without CMC and Captain Kirk, Kirk Cousins throws the game winning touchdown to KJ Osborne. Um, really quickly, what you got on CMC Mitchell? Like I said last week, if you weren't going to have him prepared for this third consecutive or third game back, why not put him on IR? They clearly were trying to rush him back. He tried to rush himself back, and he has re-aggravated his hamstring injury, and we won't see him until at least week nine, which is a shame considering this offense is horrible without him. They're 0-3 without Christian McCaffrey, and it's clearly shown through that they have mishandled this injury only the way the Panthers could. That's the truth. That's the truth. Raiders end up taking the dub over the Broncos, 34-24. to 24. Uh, The Raiders win their first game without John Gruden. Um, and finally, on Sunday Night Football, which ended up being a hell of a game despite the, uh, the initial thoughts, um, Steelers take the dub, 23-20. to 20. Um, Jaden, I'll just let you take it away. What you thinking, man? Uh, yeah, this game wasn't anything – different from what I expected. I thought this was going to be a very boring game one where both teams run the ball a lot. I thought we'd be able to tackle a little bit better, but that's just what Alex Collins has done to us over the years from his many games in Baltimore. Many river dances in Baltimore. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Where they literally, I believe it was their second touchdown drive. Alex Collins carried the ball nine times of their 10 plays and they went down 10 plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Because we cannot tackle unless Cam Hayward or T.J. Watt does it. But speaking of T.J. Watt, that man earned his bag last night. Gets a huge sack to push them out of field goal range in regulation. And then gets 
the play of the game with the strip sack on Geno Smith to put us in position for a field goal and kick the chip shot. We've got a bye week next week. Then we play the Browns who, you know, maybe might still be injured. Hopefully there's a strong possibility. Yeah. There's, there's at least a couple that will still be injured. Then we get Chicago and Detroit back to back and then the gauntlet starts. So maybe if we can be six and three before the gauntlet starts, maybe we can finish seven and 10, but no, (laughs) I, I doubt it. Yeah. I will, I will continue my uh, non Ben slander for another week. I will say that I thought I had, despite like, I don't even know what his stat line was, but it was not that fantastic because both, uh, both offenses look terrible, but Ben can air it out if he wants to, man. It might not be the most accurate thing this, you've seen in the world. Like nice. the, the ball right over Claypool's head, like oh on a wide open catch, but he knows how to hit Deontay Johnson and he's not afraid to throw it deep. So I like to, I also like, honestly, I like point to out. I texted, texted the group chat last night. The Steelers have officially exceeded Kane's floor of two mm. wins. Just want to just want to throw a little tracker out because I listened to the episode last night. Washington's floor from Kane is seven wins. Yeah, well, I would change that now. If we could go so, negative, like if we could like possibly like lose like games that we've already played and won. I would not rule that out of the possibility for us. So anyway, all right, let's move on to the game ball segment, a segment that we've done uh, routinely for the past couple of weeks. And we just hand out a game ball, a figurative game ball to either the best unit that we were most impressed with or the best player. Um, just, you know, who deserves a game ball after this week? Jaden, I'll start with you. What you got? Mine's gotta be Lamar and he's, Continues to look great. Goes out and beats a tough Chargers team in convincing fashion. Just kept the pedal on the gas all game on the ground. Threw two interceptions, though. He threw two interceptions. Um, (laughs) And less than 200 yards. Don't care. Will just team to victory. Yeah, Will just team to victory. I'll give it I looked through the box scores for the games. Like, I was just trying to, like, pick a score and be like, "Uh, is there anybody here? And that, that was really it. It was just Lamar. And, and you took my first pick. <laughs> uh, you mentioned, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say mine. You already alluded to it. I'm taking the big boy, man, out of Georgia Tech as my game ball. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Presley Harvin the third, the Steelers punter. Um, I watched the game last night, probably the closest of any game. So I felt like it was worthy that I give a game ball out in this game. Um, Presley Harvin, for those who don't know, he is a seventh round rookie from George Tech. He won the Ray Guy Award, the best punter in college football last year. And he's a big fella, six feet, 255 pounds. That is a unit for a punter. But (laughs) he looked kind of silly out there, but he is a dog, man. He put his team in a great position and very crucial parts of the game. Um, Harvin punted on fourth down from the Pittsburgh 35 with about 7.30 left to go in the fourth quarter. Um, he punted at 50 yards, put Seattle at their 15-yard line. And the Steelers then forced a three and out. 
on the Seattle 15. And the Steelers kick their field goal to almost win the game uh, on the next drive. But then later on, to put them in a position to win this game, um, Harvin punts on fourth down from the Pittsburgh 29 with about 4.30 left in overtime after a punt by Seattle on the previous drive. So this is like, I mean, next score wins here, you know? So you need, you need a good punt, believe it or not. And he did that. Presley Harvin put the uh, punted the ball 56 yards to again, put Seattle at their 15 yard line. And then TJ Watt forces the fumble on the next play and the Steelers kick the field goal to win. So there's an argument to be said that Presley Harvin won this game for the Steelers. So Go Presley Harvin, Ray Guy Award winner. I love him. He's my new last punter game ball. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. Mitchell, what you got? Man, Lamar Jackson is a game ball. He might have been the only player on Baltimore that didn't play well. But uh, (laughs) I'm I'm gonna pick Kirk Cousins as my game ball of the week. I mean, you just look at his stat line. He put he went 33 of 48, 373, three touchdowns. And over his last 16 games, 37 touchdowns and only five picks. Kirk Cousins has been balling. He looks like he's worth every penny of that contract, which a lot of people criticize, but he's been amazing so far, including a walk-off touchdown to win it. Yeah. I wish Captain Kirk was still our quarterback. I've got no better game ball. You're making me rethink my game ball, and I'm just going through the games, and there's nothing that I'm overly impressed with. I like it. Lamar. Lamar wills his team to wins. He's the leader of that team. So to lead that team to a blowout victory over the Chargers, I mean, that's it didn't take much ball. willing. Joe Flacco <laughs> could have willed them to that. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for our game ball segment of the week. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to rub salt in the wound. Um, All right. Let's dive into the last thing that we're going to cover. And that's a little Thursday night football preview for you. Um, it's Denver who's sitting at three and three at the Cleveland Browns who are also sitting at three and three um, things to watch in this game. It's two top five defenses going head to head. Denver has allowed the fourth least yards per game and the Browns have allowed the second least yards per game. So very stout defenses going head to head, but more of the thing to watch in this game is what happens to Cleveland with the injuries. I mean, you got a Thursday night football matchup, so it's short rest um and baker does not look promising to play kareem hunt does not look promising to play nick chubb does not look promising to play you've got questions about davion Clowney, uh miles garrett denzel ward um you have questions about obj i mean it's just and the tackles jedrick willis included it's not good on the brown side uh baker's backup we mentioned earlier case keenum um and uh kareem hunt Nick Chubb backup is Dearness Johnson or Demetric Felton. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but if Baker plays, how effective can he be, Mitch, do you think? Like, considering it's not a throwing shoulder. I mean, you saw the injury. I mean, it seemed like – seemed pretty hardcore. Like, to have that kind of pain, despite it not being in your throw, not, uh, throwing shoulder, like, that's got to be extremely hard to play with. I don't know. I'm not the physical therapy expert. What you got? I mean, granted, he's been playing on tour to labor him all season. If it's not something that they are going to require him to have surgery for, I wouldn't be that worried. I still wouldn't expect him to play in this game just because it was such an awkward landing. 
But if the MRI proves that it's nothing to really worry about, I don't think he'll be affected that much other than the fact that he'll probably have neither of his running backs and he'll be lucky to have either of his starting tackles. That's the truth. That's the truth. All right. Spread for this game, uh, Cleveland minus three and a half. Money lines, Cleveland minus 175. Denver plus 150. These spreads and these money lines are very, very susceptible to change by Thursday by Thursday's games, considering the injuries that we may or may not have. So my pick for this game, I can't even pick it. I'm not going to until I know the status of all the majors guys in Cleveland. If Cleveland is healthy, like if they have even like a couple of these guys, like if they get maybe Nick Chubb, uh, no Baker, if they get one of their tackles and OBJ back, I think they, I'm still taking Denver, honestly, like, it's just they're all banged up right now. So, yeah, I mean, if they all play, or at least the significant ones, I'm taking Cleveland, but Denver, if not, Jaden. You know, if we hadn't spent uh, an hour and forty five minutes on the other parts of the podcast, I would have gone through a bit in which I did. If this player plays, this player plays, this player plays, but this player pl- doesn't play and doesn't play, I would do this and just do that, just as many different combinations as I possibly could. But this is a very tough one to pick because I think the Browns are kind of frauds, but they're injured, so I kind of give them a pass. But the Broncos are 100% frauds. They were 3-0, playing arguably the three worst teams in the league, and now are, are now in 3-3 three and three after playing three good teams. But I'm still going to take them because if it doesn't look like Nick Chubb's going to play and Kareem Hunt definitely isn't playing, don't trust the Browns' offense with just Baker and it might not even be just Baker. Right. Mitchell. I'd say go ahead and just take the Broncos on everything before the lines change and the sports books, because it's going to change the second they start dropping their players like flies. I do not have a lot of optimism for their players that are questionable at the moment because they're pretty rough injuries and hurry up and get your Denver bets in now. Yeah. hundred percent agree with that. And I'm sure if Tyler were here or in the house betting expert, he would agree too. All right. Well, that does it for us this week. Um, as always, we'll have another episode posted um, after the Thursday night football matchup we have coming ahead. Um, Jaden, might have to take over for me. I have some impending fraternity activities as I always do. So, but that's CBD. I may or may not be here, but um, Jaden will hold down the fort if not. So um, also really quickly, Jersey giveaway. It is still live right now. We're still waiting to hit a hundred followers on Instagram, but if you would like a free Jersey, go ahead and check out our Instagram page. Go to that Jersey giveaway post, hit a like on the picture, uh, tag your fe- uh, tag your friends below, um, post some stuff on your story because we need to get to 100 followers because as soon as we do, we're handing out a free jersey to a lucky winner. So with that, that does it for us, boys, and we will catch you after the Thursday night football game. Peace. <laughs>